CLNS's Patriots coverage is powered by our exclusive wagering partners at betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your welcome bonus. After Patriots practice day number seven of training camp at Foxborough and Gillette Stadium, Evan Lazar, Alex Barth, Patriots Beat Podcast, and Alex, we saw a very heavy passing day out there today, I would say, after a very heavy run day on day one of pads on Tuesday. The Patriots were back in shorts and shells on Wednesday. They'll be in pads again on Thursday. We're supposed to get a lot of rain in the Foxborough area on Thursday, so it's definitely going to be a run-heavy session you would think again tomorrow, but it will be interesting to see in the rain how both quarterbacks throw the football in inclement weather when they do get chances to pass it, but I wanted to start with Cam and Mac Jones because I thought Josh McDaniel his comments after practice were pretty interesting about the two, two QBs. We can get into that a little bit. But just what happened out there on the field today, uh, Bill Belichick spoke last week about consistency, right, and how important yep. consistency is at the quarterback position and how that, I think, is going to be maybe one of the biggest sort of barometers when they, they do make this decision officially now – I guess we shouldn't say officially because he keeps on saying Cam's the quarterback. So if they are going to give Mac a chance to be the starter. Well, you can say when, when he makes the week one decision. Sure. All right. Let's go with that. I like that. When he makes the week one decision. Right. Because him saying Cam is the starting quarterback. I think we, did we talk about this before? Yeah. He's referring to the day he was asked that question. Right. If there was a game today. First of all, that would be ludicrous because it's early August and you don't play NFL football in early August. When he says, I, I'm sorry to just cut you off, but no. I saw so many people just kind of running with this, and it was bugging me. If you ask Bill Belichick, who is the starting quarterback, he is going to tell you who the starting quarterback is at that moment in time. So Cam Newton is the starting quarterback right now. There is still a decision to be made, though, for week one. That is still up in the air, unofficially. Right. And Josh McDaniels' comments today basically saying, at some point in time in the next couple of weeks, Belichick is – going to have to make a decision, right, of which right. direction we're going to go in in an offense. It's going to be Belichick's decision. We're going to get to that point. You don't say that if there isn't at least a chance that it's not Cam Newton, right? You, that that really right. is presenting it right there as, as a fact that it is a little bit open. And the one thing, going back to my original point, was that Belichick said consistency. That's the most important thing for all players. And I think in terms of quarterbacks, that's even more so important down in and down out, but also day in and day out. And I think that that's where Cam has really impressed Belichick a lot of the time is that day in and day out, he's the same guy. Whether he stunk the day before or not, he comes in and he's the same guy every single day. But consistency has really not been the name of the game for either of these quarterbacks through seven practices. Yesterday, on Tuesday, we we started the show talking about how good Cam was right, and how well he threw the football and how Mac kind of struggled in the first day of padded practices. Now today it feels like Mac played a lot better than Cam, and Cam had some issues throwing the football. Both of them really had issues that you can also talk about within just that one practice, right? If we don't want to look at it from a day-to-day perspective, you look at it just one practice, you can also see the ups and downs today. So if you want to talk about consistency, my point is, I don't think either one of these quarterbacks have been overly consistent. You can throw good throws for both of them in a bucket, right, and, and kind of evaluate both of them in terms of Mac had some good throws here, Cam had some good throws there. But in terms of overall consistency, both quarterbacks still kind of searching for it. 
Yeah, I talked about this earlier today on Zolak and Bertrand. You you can look at the consistency, and the consistency on the field play-to-play is what you're really looking for. But there's right. been other areas where Cam Newton has maybe been more consistent than Mac Jones. And the one I look at is command and control, right? Who is Who has felt more consistently in command of the offense? That's right. Cam Newton. We've talked about this before. Mac Jones at times, there's there's periods where you can tell he gets down on himself and things maybe start to speed up for him a little too much. Cam has had the consistency when it comes to the command. And I think that's a big thing right now because in this offense, we've talked about it. They don't necessarily need a playmaking quarterback with some of these additions they made. They need somebody who's going to just make the offense go. Having command of the offense is how you do that. Losing command can create turnovers. So, we we've called Cam Newton the winner to this point. I don't think we would do that if there wasn't a reason for it. And outside of, you know, the fact that he's been better on the field, it's not tremendously, but he's been better on the field. He just looks more in command. And Mac Jones is a rookie. Rookies tend not to be in command right away. That's yeah. tough. You try going to a new job and on day one, two or three running a meeting, right? You're going to, it's going to feel awkward. It's going to be tough. So we'll see when Mac gets comfortable and we'll see when that command shows up. Cause I think it will at some point, it might not be tomorrow, but I think it's coming relatively soon. Uh, but right now, Cam Newton is more consistently in command of the offense. And that is where with that consistency comment, that is what I look at. Right. And I think the biggest thing with Cam and Mac is obviously limiting the turnovers because they have both turned the ball over at times way too often here in training camp so far I would say Cam with two interceptions Mac really should have had two interceptions they I think they ruled D'Angelo Ross didn't actually pick off the second one but it was close enough to being an interception so four picks in practice today if you want to include that Ross one or not I guess we can come it down to three either way that's too many interceptions especially in a non-padded training camp practice, right? You don't want the quarterbacks turning the ball over that much. It was weird though, because I think the pick Mac through that was, and I, I want to be careful how I phrase this. So people don't run with this. That was setting up to be one of Mac's best plays of camp. There was a blitz coming from the strong side. He recognized it. He steps around it, resets. He throws the ball to a covered receiver. He put the ball where only John o. Smith could get his hands on it. He, Smith's coming over the middle and he threw it for Smith to turn back and go over the back shoulder and fade. And that's a really good read by a rookie quarterback. And that's two guys have to be on the same page for that throw to be made. So, you know, there's some chemistry there. Smith is able to turn around, gets both hands on it. He just couldn't make the catch. He pops it up in the air and Devin McCourty picks it off. So that was setting up to be one of Max better throws. The next pass wasn't picked off. It probably should have been. He just missed the receiver and D'Angelo Ross was a second lead getting to the spot. So right. I would use that sequence to caution people and, you know, we regurgitate stats as much as anybody else does. I'm guilty in this, but it's, you know, we would love to describe every play to you in detail. We can't do it. It would, for a number of reasons, mainly it would take too long, but right. It just took me a minute to describe a 15 second play. Now that's a two and a half hour practice, but there is a little more to the numbers than that. Max pick today again was actually set up to be a really good play. The next pass goes down in the notebook as an incompletion might have been his worst throw of the day. It was a significantly worse play than the actual interception he threw. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And what I really liked about Max Day, I guess we can talk about that now since you already brought it up a little bit, 
was the throw after that to Gunnar Olszewski. He goes right. through that stretch of interception, near interception, throw behind Gunnar Olszewski uh, with Miles Bryan in coverage, breaking that pass up. And then maybe a player or two later it took, but eventually he hits the deep post to Gunner, right? And, and, and he sidesteps the pressure. He steps up in the pocket to avoid a sack and throws a dime in between two defenders down the field. And that was definitely one of those moments for Mac. And, and, and he consistently has these moments where you're like, that's a big time throw, right? That's a franchise quarterback throw. That's a big time throw. And right. as a rookie and his first training camp practice for seven practices in, as long as he is showing those high-level throws here and there, and there's enough of those for us to sink our teeth into, I think Mac Jones is right on schedule, right? You know, if he wasn't making any of those throws and he was having all these turnovers, that would be one thing. But there are three or four plays per practice, whether it's a little thing in the pocket where just a subtle pocket movement, a good downfield throw, like the one to Gunner, or he actually hit uh, Jacoby Myers, I thought, on a pretty nice tight window throw over the middle in seven-on-seven. And there were other throws within that 16-rep sequence where he got 16 straight snaps where he looked very, very good as well. And you see there are some good in the good bucket for Mac Jones, as he would say, with the bad. So the flashes are there. And when it comes to Mac, and this is what I wrote today, we're going to look at this, I think, after that Eagles preseason game. Once we get into some of the joint practices and once we get into some of the preseason games, and you're going to see a totally different quarterback, in my mind, than what we're seeing right now. Right now, we're, we're at the baseline, right? And, and you see the flashes and you see the things that he does well. And I, I think that that's going to really start that that next – these next couple of weeks, I think you're really going to start to see him kind of get it a little bit more. And that's when the true competition, if there is a competition, is going to heat up between the two guys. Yeah, I think that – in I, who did I talk about this? said this to somebody earlier. It might have been on Zolak and Bertrand. Um, the, the joint practices. That's going to be, I think, a major barometer. If you want to talk about, you know, we don't have all the information yet that's going to go into this decision. Everybody wants to make a decision. And I think a lot of people wanted to make yesterday a definitive day. And maybe it was the most definitive so far. But when you factor in how much you're going to wait every session, right? We're maybe 10, we have 10 to 15% of the total data we're going to have by the time this thing ends. Because... We have seven practices, only one of them padded. There's still four or six joint practices. I don't remember if they're doing two or three with each, with each team, but there's four to six joint yeah. practices. They're that. doing two with the Eagles. I, I don't know if they've decided how many yet they're going to do with okay. the guys. Yeah. So, so we'll call it four to five joint practices, yeah. three preseason games, a number of padded practices left. We got a session in the rain tomorrow, which I think is actually worth it because you look at how these guys handle – uh, oh yeah, a little bit more of a challenge. So that's going to be a big part of it, especially in right. Foxborough in December and January. You're going to be able to handle, have to be able to handle the ball. We are, we are yeah. just scratching the surface of what both of these guys are going to be in 2021. Both Mac Jones, obviously, there's a lot to learn about him as a rookie, but Cam Newton put in a ton of work in the off season. And what is the new version of Cam Newton? We're just getting started here. There's a long way to go, and. The, the narratives are going to change a lot. I, as definitive as yesterday may have felt. And again, right. it was probably the most definitive day so far. And that can be true. We have not had that definitive moment yet. 
Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to bring up about Cam Newton was I, I think the big question that I've gotten multiple times about today's practice is, is it that Mac Jones looks great in shorts and shells and Cam Newton looks better in full pads, right? Is that sort of where we're seeing the the split? Now, we only have had one day in full pads, so it might be too early to make that determination. It is too early to make that determination, and we're going to have to wait for a couple more padded sessions to sort of compare it. But it is interesting that after throwing the ball extremely well yesterday, Cam comes back today in a non-padded session and throws two interceptions and just didn't really look like he had the same control on the ball as he did just less than 24 hours ago, right? You know, it wasn't just – the two picks. He also had to throw to Nikhil Harry where Nikhil Harry really bailed him out. You know, it, the ball was thrown well ahead of Nikhil Harry and he dove out and, and made a great catch on him. We're going to get to Harry in a second, but the sort of volatility of Cam Newton's game from the padded session to the non-padded session, how much stock do you put into what happened with Cam today after throwing the ball extremely well on Tuesday? If he'd been, you know, so, so, I'd probably put more into it. I think because he's, you know, shown some encouraging signs, everybody's going to have a bad day. I think there's still a bit of a culture shock here where when Tom Brady threw an interception during training camp, the world stopped. I mean, that happened maybe two or three times a year. That was a massive moment. Cam's thrown more interceptions. He hasn't been Brady. That's not, I'm not breaking news when I say that. That doesn't mean he's been bad. I, you know, he's, he's been good enough that I'll look, around one bad day, just like we looked around one bad day for Mac Jones yesterday. Right. And it was the first padded practice. So maybe there was a little bit more of a microscope on it, but you know, Mac came back out today and he played well. So I look at yesterday and I say, all right, I need to see him in pads again, but bad days happen. They happen. I think Kim Newton had a bad day today. That's unfortunate. It sucks. You'd like to see him keep stacking the days. You'd like to see him keep playing well, but we'll, we'll see kind of how he readjusts tomorrow. We know that the pads being on favor him. For a number of reasons, both just his play style, it, it favors the veteran naturally when there's more contact allowed in the secondary. Right. So tomorrow's set up perfectly to be a bounce back day for him. Again, it's supposed to rain. It's supposed to pour. Yeah. So that will be interesting. But I don't I don't know that I look at today and say, uh oh, you know, Cam threw two picks, reset the whole thing. I, I I'm not going that far with it. Yeah, the first interception was really, really early on in practice. It came against the scout team. I think it was the second throw, wasn't it? It was the first or second throw of practice, yeah. And I actually got to give credit where credit's due to your guy, Adrian Colbert. I thought he made a pretty good play on the ball. Made a nice play on that ball, yeah. Yeah, he he undercut it. He kind of baited Cam a little bit into the throw and then accelerated and hit the gas and was able to undercut the Hunter Henry's route and pick off the pass. The second one I think is more troublesome and maybe it was a little bit more of a timing situation than anything, but JC Jackson was all over Jacoby Myers. I mean, Jacoby Myers yeah. was never open on that route, right? And, J- and JC Jackson ran the route a lot better than Jacoby Myers did in that particular instance. So on that type of play, that's the type of play, if, the, the one to Colbert, those ones happen. Right. The, the DB makes a good break on the ball. Right. The receiver maybe drifted a little bit and the ball is picked off. But the one later on in practice with Jacoby Myers is the one that Cam needs to get rid of. Right. The, the, those those types of decisions, throwing it right to, to J.C. Jackson, when J.C. Jackson was clearly in better position to make a play on the ball than Jacoby Myers. Those are the types of plays that can't happen anymore in year two. 
They, right. they, they happened too often last year. They can't happen this year. So the first one I kind of throw out and say, whatever, good play by the defense back, you know, tip your cap. The second one is the one that I always sort of harp on as you need to come off this read and make a better decision with the ball. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that the first one, what it looked like to me was, so you had Hunter Henry coming across the middle of the field, kind of angled deep, I don't know, 15 yards. And he was a step ahead of Colbert, like yeah. a step ahead of Colbert. And I think what Cam was trying to do is put that ball out in front of him and lead him and try to have him extend his hands to keep the ball away from Colbert and not let Colbert reach in and break it up. And I think what happens is instead of leading him, you know, ahead and back, he led him ahead, but also in. And yeah. Colbert just had a burst. He read it well. He had a burst and he he cut inside with the ball come, you know, Henry had to come back towards the quarterback a little bit. And Colbert just had the angle better than Henry did. And he grabbed it in stride. It's an interception we've seen Devin McCourty make. That might be half of his career interceptions. Right. Um, so that was an interesting one from Cam, but it was also one where I thought the fact that he had the confidence to make that throw and he recognized that situation. I don't know why he wasn't making that throw last year, but I thought there were times for him to make that throw and he didn't do it. So this is, again, goes back to what I was talking about with, you got to be careful with the numbers. It was a great play by Colbert. Absolutely. But it was almost encouraging to see Cam try to make that throw. He needs to make it right next time. He needs to get that ball more down the field, right? And lead that receiver more. But that with a guy like Nelson Aguilar specifically, that's a throw that I think has a lot of potential in this offense. And obviously Hunter Henry too, they were throwing it to him, but that's a throw that I think, you know, could be a chunk play uh, design in this offense. So to see Cam throw that and kind of push that where he maybe didn't push that throw as much last year, I'll look at that and say, yeah, he threw an interception. That sucks. You don't want to do that. But as we're kind of learning about what this offense is going to look like, all right, that they have that in the toolbox. If they can iron that out and Cam can fix that throw, that becomes interesting. Yeah, and not to keep harping on this one play, but the other thing I will say, well, you, I'm gonna get ripped for like complimenting a Cam Newton interception. We didn't, we didn't have, we don't have the luxury of watching the practice tape back to to examine every single play. So we're making all of these judgment calls on the fly. Usually, when a defensive back is able to undercut a receiver's route, there's some receiver error there, right? The receiver didn't come downhill enough on the route and didn't shield the defender enough on the route. Maybe he didn't hold the plane coming across the field and sort of drifted upfield a little bit. There's usually some sort of, unless the ball is just thrown wildly behind the receiver and into the defender, usually there is a little bit of that there too. So I, I, I do think that that is an important uh, element of this as well. But the main thing, I think the main point that we're, we've tried to make I, through these first 18 minutes is as much as we come on here and we do a show every single day, pretty much after training camp practice, Alex, and the quarterback battle is 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 a roller coaster, and that's what training camp is, right? Training camp is a learning period. It's a getting out these kings. It's making these mistakes now. It's doing all these things, and I think what we are learning every single day and is being reinforced every single day is that this really has not started yet. Right. Like this right. is really too early to make all of these grand proclamations of which guy is ahead of which guy, and which guy looks better than that guy. And the other thing that Josh McDaniels said after practice that's really important is that they grade when they go back and grade the practice tape, they grade process, not results. Right. They're looking at right. this was the play call. This was the coverage. Did he make the right three? Did he make the right decision? Did he throw with good mechanics? You know, they're they're grading process. 
we don't have the luxury of getting every single play drawn up for us and understanding what each call is. And, and McDaniels does not give us the play sheet after practice and tell us that this was what each call was and this is what each read was and this is what each progression read was. And we don't get that. So their grading process, not results. I think a lot of the times we have to sort of gravitate more towards results because we don't have the information to grade the process all the time. So we're way too early in all of this. And it really comes down to the fact that we are light years away, I think, in football terms, in football time, to actually getting into this being a true decision here, you know, a true battle. Right. Yeah, like I said, I think the joint practices are going to be a huge part of this. Only one padded practice. We we're creatures of habit. We want we're we're, we're not creatures of habit. What's the curiosity? I, I I can't think of the word. People want to know. People don't like waiting for information. People don't like waiting for anything, but they really right. don't like waiting for information. They want to know who it's going to be, so they look at the information they have and they make up their mind. There's a lot more information coming, and you talk about the process again. It goes back to what I said with the interceptions today. I thought one of Mac Jones' interceptions that I wouldn't be surprised if they go back in the film room and and Josh tells him you did that right. Just you yeah. know, it'll work next time. Don't shy away from what you were doing here at work. And same thing with Cam. Maybe a little less so, but I think that there's there's a. It wasn't just a, a bad play. It wasn't just a dumb mistake. There's a learning experience there. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's talk about Nikhil Harry because. He had six catches today in team drills. I think he's looked good, you know, and I I tweeted this out earlier. I said out of the three training camps that I've seen from Nikhil Harry as a member of the Patriots since they drafted him in the first round in 2019, this is the best Nikhil Harry that we have gotten at Patriots training camp. Again, seven practices in, one padded practice, all these caveats we can throw out there. But I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what does this mean about his future on the team, right? Is this, right? are we leaning more towards this being a good thing because it's increasing his trade value and they're going to trade him anyways? Or is he playing his way on the team? And, and as somebody that maybe they won't look to trade because of that. Yeah, I'll go back to what I said yesterday. I think there's two paths and neither one of them feels super realistic right now. I think he either has to, Catch that talk group of Bourne, Aguilar, and Myers. And by the way, great day today for Kendrick Bourne. Happy birthday to him as well. And then the other option is he's got to kind of pick up some special teams because he has Christian Wilkerson and Isaiah Zuber right there on top of him and maybe Trey Nixon as well. So will they keep a fourth receiver who doesn't give them a lot on special teams? Maybe. I, You know, I had Jeff Howell on my 98.5 The Sports Hub podcast earlier, and we talked about maybe they finagle the numbers a little bit. Maybe they only keep four receivers and and that's the thing. And they, they keep four receivers and kill Harry's the fourth and those special team spots end up elsewhere, whether it be tight end running back somewhere on the defense, whatever it is. So, well, you know, there's a lot of different ways that can play out, but it just feels like he's between a rock and a hard place right now. And then you throw in whatever the hell that trade request was. We don't even know if that's still a thing, but does that factor in? And he's maybe Nikhil might be the biggest unknown, of anybody at Patriots training camp right now. And it's weird because the better he plays, the more confusing his situation gets. Oh yeah. This is, this right. my mind is in a complete pu- you know, puzzle of what is that going to happen here with Nikhil Harry, because right. he is playing 
very, very well, especially from based off of what we saw in 18 and 19 in training camp. And today, just to name a few plays that happened, uh, he beat Jawan Williams on a dig route, an inbreaker, where he actually, and look, Jawan Williams is not Stephon Gilmore. I get that he has his issues too, and we're going to talk about him in a few minutes. But Nikhil Harry actually got open at the top of the route. Right. He ran a route. He made a cut. He created separation at the top of the route, was able to run away from Jawan Williams. And if they were in a live tackling type of situation, I think that was sort of an off to the races potential play there for Nikhil Harry. There was really nobody else in that area. that, And he's a big guy that once he gets downhill and gets moving, I think that that would have also been another 10, 15 yards of of yak potentially on that throw that was a true got open in the middle of the field made something happen and then uh later on in practice he caught the slant right from cam newton where he ran on jc jackson cam threw the ball uh, off target way too far in front of Nikhil harry and Nikhil harry left his feet laid out and made a diving catch on the slant on a, a bullet from from cam newton so two really good catches one catch and run play one kind of showing off that size and that catch radius. And yesterday in the first day of pads, we saw the catch radius, especially in one-on-ones where he was going back shoulder. He's going above the rim with Juwan Williams, you know, and showing off the size there as well. So he has a little bit more wiggle. I think, I think he's using his size properly where he's not just trying to play big all the time. And I think that was something that he talked about in his press conference the other day is that he got so caught up and being physical and playing big and going and playing on contested catches and all this stuff that he lost a little bit of his wiggle. And now he got a little bit of that back. So we definitely are seeing a much better Nikhil Harry. And like you said, there's so many roster factors here. How many receivers are they going to keep? Is he going to contribute in, on special teams at all? There's so many elements of this, but the, at the end of the day, I, I just, I can't for the life of me figure out if you're the Patriots, do you trade this guy now where maybe his stock is rising a little bit because he has had a strong training camp so far and maybe he plays well in the preseason games and that helps his trade value? Or do you look at it and you say, maybe he's figured it out, right? Maybe he's finally put it all together. Right. He, it still has first round ability. I mean, there's a reason why he was drafted in 32nd overall and he wasn't going to last very much longer if the Patriots didn't take him at 32. He was going to be a top 50 player in that draft. So has he just figured it out? Is that possible too? Yeah. Well, even if he has, it's weird because again, you're in 12 personnel a lot. You're really only going to play two wide receivers. Are you, even if you think he's figured it all out, are you keeping a fourth wide receiver who's maybe going to play 10, 15% of the snaps all year over keeping, you know, depth on the offensive line, adding another outside cornerback, which I think this team needs uh, right. depth at running back. Like if it comes down to, okay, maybe Nikhil Harry's figured it out, but, you know, a lot of people like J.J. Taylor, and I don't think Taylor's had a great camp, but you look at James White on a one-year deal, Sony Michelle on a one-year deal, you're going to need a running, you're going to need a running back more than you need a wide receiver a year from now. Just, like, like which way do you want to go with that? So it, it makes a ton of sense to trade Nikhil Harry, trade request aside. It's weird because normally with bubble guys, they play well, and you're like, all right, well, he was a bubble guy, and he played well, and now he's not a bubble guy. He's on the roster. It's almost like the better Nikhil plays, the more unsure his his situation becomes. Because if yeah. he didn't play well, all right, they're going to trade him or they're going to cut him. We have the answer. You know, we're right. on. Because he's playing so well, now it's there's a chance they keep him, but 
even before the trade request, like I had him off my initial roster projection. And it's that was before because the trade request. You don't want to get you you don't want to get hoaxed into it, right? You don't want to you don't want to believe th- because of training. Well, not even that. Like you, but that's my problem though. Is how much sure. can I believe that what I'm seeing is actually going to translate? Come was it September 9th or twelfth or whatever right. it is, week one against Miami. How much can I actually sit here and say? that this is actually real, that this is tangible and not just what's happening out at training camp. Well, it, and, and that's fair. And I think, like I said with the quarterbacks, I think the joint practices and the preseason games are going to tell us a lot about that. But even if Harry is the real deal, are, again, are you going to keep that guy and use that roster spot on a guy who's making right. as much and he's making, as he's making is going to have that usage rate? I just yeah. it, That doesn't seem like, at, like the proper asset management to me. Yeah, like he'd have to be so good to justify that. And he's been good, but he hasn't been that good yet. And again, these practices are maybe a quarter of the overall grade. You're going to look at the joint practices, the preseason games. Those are going to tell us a lot more. This is a very, it's a puzzling situation at this point. You know why? You know why it's so weird? Because, and I've talked about this before in other situations. People like to call Bill Belichick predictable and they're not entirely wrong, but when you do something for 20 years, as Bill has done it, patterns are going to develop. And it's become in the last four or five years, kind of, it's become possible to read what the Patriots are going to do because you can look at the history and see how they've acted in previous situations. Right. There's no context for this. There's no comparable situation for this. This is a completely new discussion well, because when it comes to Bill Belichick and roster into management. Their, into their rookie contracts don't request trades. Right. You know, I mean, not guys who have played as poorly as Harry. Right. And and the other element of it, too, and Belichick spoke about this, I I think, last week or or maybe earlier in the offseason program was that due to COVID last year, this this players going from their first to their second seasons like Nikhil Harry, they did not have an offseason program. Right. They did not have OTAs. They did not have right. mini camp. They weren't in the building for all those installs and all those kind of teaching periods. So in a lot of ways, last year was kind of like year 1.5 for Nikhil Harry. Right. So right. we're kind of, so you usually you kind of expect a year one to two leap from a lot of players and year two, they usually increase their level of production. It's possible for some of the 2019 first round or, or draft picks, just in general, that year two to three might be the real leap, right? If there is right. going to be a leap, so I, I think that's an interesting element of it too. But it is weird. It's an interesting situation. I I am fascinated to see how they treat him in the preseason. Do they feed him? Do they showcase him? Or do they feel like maybe he's turning a corner and they and they're going to end up keeping? You know, what, what do we see out of him? And those preseason games is going to be really fascinating. I want to keep it at the wide receivers here just because today was another non-padded day. So a lot of receiver DB sort of battles, right? And, and back and forth. I wanted to bring up your guy, Gunnar Oshevsky, because I think there's a conversation and a question out there right now of has Gunnar developed as a wide receiver, right? Has he taken the next step as a wide receiver? And I, I noticed the last couple of practices, and I'm not sure if this has been the case all the training camp. But during wide receiver positional drills, Gunner's been working with specialists a lot, right, Uh, on returns. Today was kickoff returns. Yesterday it was punt returns. So he's not doing 
wide receiver positional drills. He's not over there with Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne and Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers. He's over on the other field with Matthew Slater and, and some of the Justin Bethel and, and the kickers and the punters, uh, or the punter, I should say. So I don't think that they're by any means forcing it with Gunner as a receiver, right? But then out there at practice today, he did catch the deep ball from Mac Jones. So there are times where I think we do see him flash a little bit as a receiver. He had a nice play earlier in camp where he caught a a, ben, a um, crossing route over the middle from Cam Newton in the corner of the end zone. And that was a nice kind of route and catch there too. So what have you seen from Gunner? Do, do you feel like he has shown you anything to think that he's going to take the next step as a receiver? And ultimately, I don't think it, it matters to them if he starts to produce as a wide receiver or not. I think they like him so much as a returner that it's not going to matter in terms of roster spots, but it is an interesting conversation. Yeah, well, I mean, it impacts other roster spots, and we've t- it could right. impact Nikhil Harry, right? If he becomes right. a legitimate receiver, then you're looking at Nikhil Harry as potentially fifth on the depth chart. So, it, yeah, it, it does impact. I don't know, you know, he's gotten a little better, and I've talked about this before. Julian Edelman didn't click until his sixth year, right? So, but Gunner's entering his third, so he's got time, and he does. There does seem to be a focus on the return. I have seen him working on kick returns. I think they're more interested in developing him as a kick returner than a wide receiver, which I don't necessarily disagree with that strategy. I think that's the right way to go. I I don't think this is the year that, you know, Gunner breaks out and catches 50 passes. I haven't seen that from him yet. Still a long way to go. Of course, got to throw that on there, but I I don't know that. Yeah. Like the catch day was nice. He had a, a really nice route end of last week, like a wheel route. And he's working with Mac Jones. I think there were, they might've been in sevens and he just, he timed the break of the wheel perfectly yeah. with a pump fake for Mac Jones and the defender just, yeah, it was, it was a nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I, it's a nice pump fake for Mac Jones. It's nice all around. So there's been little flashes here and there and maybe more so than in years past, but I don't, I, you know, I'm not telling anybody to draft Gunner in fantasy or anything like that. He's not, he's not there yet. And, and also the other thing is, I would ever give fantasy football advice. I also want to quickly say about Gunner is, Throughout his career in the NFL and everything that we've seen from him from preseason games, training camp practices, the little bit that we've seen him in the regular season as a wide receiver, he is not Mr. Shifty, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman in the slot, right? Like that, that's really not his game. Uh, the guy that he reminds me of, if I had to draw a comparison, is actually Scotty Miller in, in Tampa Bay, right? He is a vertical route runner. He is somebody that I think separates a lot more on intermediate and vertical routes. And when I say intermediate, it's like intermediate crossers or dig routes and stuff like that over the middle. And then today, the, the deep post, you mentioned the th- the wheel, or I think it was sort of like a delayed seam or something like that. Where, and earlier on in, practice, in uh, training camp, I see him flash when he flashes a lot more down the field, right? He's not the jitterbug type of slot receiver that I He's think a lot more, of people think he is. He's more Chris Hogan. Than he is Julian yeah. Edelman. Yeah, yeah. If Patriots fans that have watched Bucks games, if you've watched Scotty Miller a little yeah. bit, he he's really the type of player that reminds me that Gunner reminds me of more than let's say an Edelman or an Amendola or a Welker. You know, I, I just think that they're different players. So I, I think that that's important to mention. If you've seen any development from Gunner as a receiver, it's definitely down the field. It, it's not so much in terms of that that little bit. Uh, that shiftiness and that that short area agility. All right. right. The other receiver I really wanted to mention uh, today was 
Trey Nixon. Because I, I I don't think that we can look too much into reps against the scout team and stuff like that. But Trey Nixon and Mac Jones have kind of developed a little bit of a of a chemistry there when they do go up the backups kind of go up against the backups or or the scout team scout team later on in practice and Trey Nixon has been working a lot in the slot as an underneath receiver we, you know he came out and we all hyped up his ability to get down the field and be a vertical threat on the outside right. So far in practice, they've been running him a ton of option routes on the inside of the formation running with the twos. And I think that that's really more going to be his game that they project moving forward. And Mac to, to Trey Nixon in these periods where Mac is working with the second team offense is kind of a thing that that's starting to develop. The other thing it could be is, you know, and they do this from time to time, you know, they know Trey Nixon can be that vertical guy. And so they're just working to round out his game and they're not sure. going to abandon what he does vertically, but they're just trying to add to it and complement it. And that's encouraging because that tells you that there's somebody that they have a plan for when they just throw guys out and have them run generic routes. You know, those are the guys that they're not seriously thinking about. It does look like, and I've talked, who was I talking about this the other day with, with Christian Wilkerson? Um, it looks like it with Trey Nixon. It looks like they have a plan for him. Now he's probably a little more raw, He's a guy I think they'd love to stash, and we revisit his status next year. Yeah, But, yeah, it, it does look like there's a plan for him, and it does look like they are trying to turn him into more than just a straight-line burner. Because when they took him, I think we all thought, all right, well, you know, maybe he turns into Demir Bird, and it's good to have a player like that. He's not a number-one right. wide receiver. Yeah, it's a good comparison, yeah. You want just kind of that guy who can fly down the field and keep the defense honest. Here we go picking on Demir Bird again. But – I, you know, I, I think that's what we all thought when they picked him. And no, it looks like they're going to try to kind of round him out and turn him into a more well-rounded, you know, three down wide receiver. And that tells me that, that they, they don't plan on just letting this kid go. And we'll see what happens if he makes the roster if they can get him on the practice squad. I, I don't think, you know, it's nuts to say he's a Foxborough flu candidate. So we'll see what yeah. happens with him. But it does look like they have a focused plan for him. He is right. Right now, he's playing the Edelman role with the backups, right? Like he's the second team Edelman. Right. He's playing inside. He's running. I wrote down today and, and throughout the days that he's worked with Mac Jones, 59 option probably a dozen times, right? Where he's just running those, that little juke series inside, you know, read the zone coverage, sit down, juke out, juke in versus man coverage, you know, little option routes in the inside. And Mac is just really quick to get that ball out and he just can pick on those underneath linebackers like that with Trey Nixon. And I just didn't know because he didn't play that role at UCF. Trey Nixon's coaches told me he's a much better route runner than we were able to show off because we didn't really run that kind of offense, right? We were a vertical right. offense. We were a get up the field type of offense. So we didn't really get to show how quick he was, but they were all hyping up. Hey, this is a really quick receiver that runs good routes. We've definitely seen that at least against the scout team defense. We'll see. I, I, I think in some of these preseason games, Trey Nixon might have a huge game, right? Like we, we oh, could I think a, he's the guy who's going to pop off. Yeah. He could have over a hundred yards easily in one of these preseason games. So I just wanted to bring him up as well. Uh, I also wrote down Adrian Colbert. I mentioned him earlier in the show. Your guy had an interception today. What did you think about it? Yeah, it was a nice pick. I mean, it's I, I he hasn't maybe popped as much as I thought he would. He's been the first guy on the field almost every day. So that's, yeah. that's interesting. I, I was looking for him. You know, that kind of play today is what I envisioned him doing. And, you know, complimenting Devin McCourty. They just, 
you know, I, in my mind, it was okay. I'd love to have the Duran Harmon roll back. And can you get another deep safety to pair with McCourty and just give yourself a more reliable, too high look than just rotating corners back there? But between Miles Bryant, it seems like Miles Bryant's a safety now. I don't think they view him as a corner. He's been working a lot with the safety. Yeah, he's he's a nickel uh, safety, right? Because he plays right. in the slot really behind Jonathan Jones. And yeah, yeah. But he's played he's played deep a couple times too. So I think between Miles Bryant taking on more safety reps and they're just so deep at box safety and they want to be focused there. You know, I'm starting to kind of rethink that. And, and, and the plan I had in mind for Adrian Colbert maybe isn't there. But, you know, good to see him get the interception today. I still think he's a good player. I'd still like to see a way. Maybe they can stash him. They could get him on the practice squad, and he's maybe a guy, if you get banged up, who would certainly give you, you know, a nice boost down, down the stretch in the season. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm going to – the guys I was pumping preseason, I'm going to, you know, start shifting a little more towards Raekwon McMillan. I know he just got hurt, but I'm feeling a little bit better about that one than I was about Colbert. So. Okay. And, and also uh, pretty quickly here as well, we mentioned it earlier when we were talking about Nikhil Harry. Uh, Jawan Williams is getting picked on by Nikhil Harry in some yeah. of the practices. What does his future hold with the Patriots? Because the one thing that I noticed with Jawan Williams, he's got length, and when he's in phase, he's able to use that length, knock away passes pretty easily, but he's just not in phase often enough. And what I mean by in phase is, is in position, right? He, he's in right. position to make a play on the ball. And his hip transitions at the top, of the route are just way too delayed and way too slow for NFL receivers. The fact that Nikhil Harry can break away from you on a horizontal cut coming over the middle of the field is probably not great news for you if you're trying to carve out a role as an NFL cornerback in this defense. So, well, what does the future hold for Juwan Williams? Because right now, I, I think he, I, I said, I wrote it in my notebook. I think he's in the danger zone at, at this point. Yeah, and I was trying to defend him before the season, and yeah. and I, I it's still true. It's not that he wasn't playing for the last two years because he wasn't good. There was just so much depth ahead of him in Gilmore, Jackson, and McCourty, and this, you know, he was just such an unknown because we hadn't seen him. This was his chance to 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 prove why he was a second round pick and and justify that pick and smooth the transition out of that era of those three great corners into whatever the next era is, and. He hasn't done it. Like you said, Nikhil Harry is the exact kind of guy he should guard. If you're talking about matchups, you know, around the, the league, you're not putting him on or even around the division. He's not a guy who's going to guard Stephon Diggs. He's not a guy right. who, who's going to guard. Jalen uh, uh, um, Waddle. Yeah, Jalen Waddle would be one. I should, who, yeah. did, who did um, the Jets draft that I'm blanking? Elijah Moore. Yeah. Let's get Elijah and Rondo Moore. Yeah. Sure. He's not the right He's going to guard that bigger bully wide receiver who's maybe not as fast. And he hasn't been able to do that. And if he can't do that, it's tough to figure out exactly what, what you're going to do with him, what his plan is. And I still am on the roster right now, just because as much as he struggled, he's their third best outside corner. They kind of need him. Right. They need him, especially without Stefan Gilmore. But when we st- when we get towards the end of camp and we start looking at, okay, what are they going to do externally? Where are they going to go elsewhere to try to bring somebody in? I think corner is the number one spot right now. And I think he's somebody whose job isn't necessarily threatened by anybody on the roster. Like Michael Jackson, I, he hasn't been great. He had one pass yeah. breakup yesterday, but his job is threatened by somebody who's in another camp right now. At this point, I feel like, honestly, they're better off putting Jalen Mills out there. And you and you know my opinion on Jalen Mills, right, as an outside yeah, corner. So here's how I, 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 I trust Jalen Mills' sort of knowledge of the game more than Juwan Williams, right? right? He's played more snaps. He's got a better feel for the, the game, instincts, those types of things. Here's how I feel about Jalen Mills outside of that. I think that's 
you paid him all that money to be to be a wild card. You paid him all that money right. to do all these different things on defense, and I'd like to see him doing that. Like you want him to practice what he's going to play. If yeah. you have to have him at outside corner, even if that's not the long term plan, but you just need the body. Well, then he's not getting reps at what he's going to do in the regular season, and that ultimately hurts the team. So somebody's got to step up there in some way because this is probably the biggest question mark on the team right now. I know people are going to talk about the quarterback position, and there is a answer there. Whether it's Cam Newton or Mac Jones, we know that there's that the answer is in the building. Okay. I don't know that the answer is in the building at outside corner, and that yeah. is a little scary because we've seen what this team looks like. like They've won without dominant linebackers. They've won without dominant players at different positions. They, they, Their darkest period under Bill Belichick was when they didn't have a dominant corner. The Earthwind Moreland, Hank Poteet era. Right. Right. The their longest stretch, right. Their longest stretch, that AFC championship. And Belichick got fed up and he went out and got to leave. And that wasn't good enough. And he got Revis. So yeah. they still have JC Jackson. It's not totally burnt. And Gilmore might come back. But there's a massive drop off after that right now. Right. All right. So really quickly, a uh, shout out to our fans in Germany. They've yeah, been in the I chat feel the bad. We get, we've been getting asked about the fullback so much. Yeah, they've been in the chat of the last couple of days asking about Jakob Johnson. Jakob Johnson is a full padded practice player, right? So six right. out of seven of these practices, we have not really seen much Jakob Johnson because they're not running the ball with the fullback all like that, all that often. So uh, yesterday, though, Jakob Johnson coming through the hole on Dante Hightower back on backer, that was a really nice lead block, right? And, and you see yep. the lead block ability. Tomorrow, it's going to pour. It's going to rain. There's going to be a lot of run game stuff. So we will definitely see more of Jakob Johnson. But Jakob Johnson, on the first day of pads, did his job, right? He, he, he led the way for the backs when he was out there, and he did his job. We'll definitely have to see how much they're going to use him and how much 12 personnel they're going to be in and all that kind of stuff. But come back tomorrow because I, I think they're going to run the ball like crazy in practice tomorrow. Yeah. So come back tomorrow and we'll talk more Jakob Johnson and fullbacks and run game and stuff like that. Once again, tomorrow on Thursday, the Patriots will be back in pads. It's going to pour. So it's going to be a fun practice for Bill Belichick, I'm sure, to see uh, – kind of study the mental toughness of his team already in the, in the early going to see how they handle the conditions. So we'll be back on the podcast tomorrow night following day eight and uh, padded practice number two for the Patriots, breaking all of that down should be a higher intensity and a longer practice than what we saw out there today. So we'll see you guys tomorrow night for day two of pads, day eight of training camp. Thanks so much for watching for Alex Barth and Evan Lazar. See you tomorrow guys. And gals, if you're out there.